The best way to start off the moment is with confession. Best way to do it is just pure confession. I will confess to you today that I am nervous, but that's okay. That is okay. The reason why I'm nervous is, I, I mean, I get nervous for pretty much anything. When I was a youth pastor, even speaking to a bunch of 80 to 100 youth, I got nervous. Uh, <laughs> and uh, the reason why I'm extra nervous is because yesterday I thought I was going to be able to relax and, and further prepare and go, okay, God, what more do you want to say to thou child? Um, but <laughs> uh, what happened is my wife woke up and she was sick yesterday, so I, I waited on her both hand and feet, but I also went, you better not give me sick for tomorrow. So she's at home today and I miss her so much because I love it when she's here. And it was, uh, it was a sad ending to a great Valentine's Day. Um, speaking of Valentine's Day, though, uh, Friday was Valentine's Day, right? Okay, some of you are like, yeah, it was all right, I guess. Um, someone who uh, recently got married, I wanted to do something special for my wife. So I decided to go to the best place to get her the best gift. And I went to the independent grocer. Um, <laughs> Some of you are like, stop, you did it. I did. Uh, and I, 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 it was on the way home. <laughs> uh, I got her a card, and, and you know what? It was great. I brought it home. I was so excited because the card was so funny. It said, I am crazy about you in our crazy life. And I thought she would like it. She opened it and went, that's it. <laughs> and I went, oh, uh, here's, here's an insight in our life, though. Uh, we're really bad at getting each other gifts because uh, we, like, we, we like to get each other gifts, but it just doesn't really work out too well. So we usually just buy our own gifts and then let each other give it. Yeah, anyway, so uh, I just asked her earlier in the week, like, you know, I've been searching high and low for the perfect Valentine's Day gift. I have no idea. So what is it that you mostly desire, expecting her to say, just you and that's all I need? Uh, she says, no, I want this necklace. So I went, okay, here's my credit card. Let's get you the necklace. It's beautiful. It's great. I love it. It has our initials on it. It's really cute. So I approve of that message. But anyways, all to say, uh, we went and got uh, some chicken wings and pizza and stuff and everything was okay. So... Um, all that to say, uh, I love that it is a generation's weekend this weekend. It is family day tomorrow. And, um, you know, I love that we can celebrate families. And in this church, did you know that we are a multi-generational church? Yeah. Oh, oh, yes, we are. You know, one of our values as Life Center is that we value every generation. And what you'll see as you walk through our halls is a vast uh, span of generations. And, you know, down here we have kids that are getting the gospel message in a unique expression for them. And over here we have our students here on Sundays and Fridays getting their own experience. You guys know what I'm talking about here in the first row. But it is amazing that we can minister to all generations. And I believe there's something so profound about bridging each generation. I don't know about you, but in my life, there's a lot of people that have gone before me, and they have amazing wisdom that they can impart to me. And I know even in my, you know, not so many years on this planet, I have some great wisdom that I can impart to some of the younger generations too. But what I realized really quickly is that it's not just about throwing it on them and saying, ah, take it, take it, do this, do that. If you don't do it this way, it's not the right way. Back in my day, am I even allowed to use that? Am I old enough to do that? But back in my day when internet wasn't even in the house, you know, it's, it's, it's funny. We all are part of different generations and each generation experiences different things and it, it kind of molds the way that we make decisions or molds the way that we think or decide to do things or experiences that we had. So let me just ask this question here. There's different generations. I, I want you guys to respond here. Who is part of the baby boomer generation? All right, a couple of you. Okay, good. How about the Gen Zs? Any Gen Zs in the house? 
Some of you, you're like, I am not going to disclose what generation I'm part of. Uh, millennials, any millennials? Yes. You know, I'm surprised you're here this morning. Okay. Um, I'm a millennial, okay? I can say that. I, I'm a millennial. And how about Gen X? Any Gen Xers in the house? Okay, how about people that don't know and don't care? Are you here? Okay, cool. Good, good, good. You know, it's, it's funny because each generation has its, like, unique thing, right? You know, I'm, I'm from a millennial generation right now. You know, we're getting some flack because, you know, we, 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 we don't show up for work and we're late and we can't buy a house and all these different things. But I want to tell you, just real quick, okay, that's not true for all of us, right? But there's different things in every generation that makes them unique and experiences that they went through. Now, check this out. This is my watch, okay? This watch is an analog watch. I am a millennial. I know what time it is. I can read it, right? Now, this is a pencil, an Apple pencil, so it's part of my generation, but I know that there's some baby boomers in here that have extra pens. So if you're taking notes this morning and you need an extra pen, just look for someone that raised their hand to be a ba- that's a baby boomer, and they'll lend you a pen. They also have Kleenex and gum and sometimes a snack. It's a true story, okay? So you got to look around and you got to pick your seat wisely in here. Right? And then we got some Gen X's who are just enjoying life right now. They just love that they don't know what it means to use a phone that you can't see someone on the other side. Right? They also can't believe there was a time when internet didn't exist because when their internet goes down, life is done. So to think that there was a time when that didn't happen, it's not even possible. I know for me in my life, I lived without it and I lived with it. So I got both sides of that equation. I remember my first cell phone, uh, I was. 11 years old, and my parents thought it was a good idea to give me a cell phone, and I discovered this thing called text messaging. Okay, uh, Gen Z's text messaging is iMessage without the bubbles and the read receipts, uh, and we had this keyboard that you had to hit like five times in order to get one letter. Uh, yeah, and the best invention ever was the full keyboard where you can type and type and type, and I used to have a limited messaging plan where uh, I had 250 messages a month, um, which was not even close enough because I thought I had unlimited, and little did I know, uh, my dad informed me very quickly that I racked up $400 bills because I was being charged every message after 250. See, some of you will get what I'm saying, others of you won't. Some of you were those parents that had to go to your kids and go like, how do you plan on paying for this? Um, But now times have changed and you see the perspective that the youngest generation has about the world is different than the perspective that I have of the world and the perspective that the generation before me has of the world. And the same is true within our belief system as well. You know, people before me, the generation before me in this church experienced something called the 40 Days of Blaze. They experienced God move, and there was like three services every single day for 40 days, and people were being saved left, right, and center. And there was this manifestation of the Spirit, a moving of the Spirit that expressed in loud noises and, 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 and people just, you know, dancing uncontrollably. And that was amazing for that generation. But I quickly learned that for my generation, it looks a little bit different. It doesn't mean that there's a different God moving. It's the same God, but the expression of it is different. That I actually need to learn at what they experienced. I need to see what they experienced, learn about why they experienced it in order to understand what I'm experiencing today. And I believe that's the same for the next generation. Because their encounter of God may not look exactly like your encounter of God, but the truth in the matter is that we need to point every generation back to God. In all our circumstance, no matter our generation, we need to point 
everyone back to God. Why? Because there is no junior Holy Spirit and there is no geatric Holy Spirit. There's no old God and a young God. There's one God. And one God who is asking us to move, asking us to empower, asking us to love and to honor each other. Well, we're in a series called Wholehearted, and we're investigating the life of Joshua to discover what it means to be wholehearted. And what wholehearted is and the value that we hold at Life Center is this. All of me, more of Jesus. We bring our everything. We set lofty goals. We try and try again, and Jesus sets us free from the traps of perfectionism and comparison. We bring our best, but he is always greater. And we don't confuse this with the word excellence that's striving for a goal, but we say everything of me. Last week we understood that when we bring our brokenness into community, we bring everything wholeheartedly and that God honors us for that. And I believe that each and every one of you are wholehearted people. It's just discovering what that looks like. So today I'd like to do one thing before we start. I'd like to pray. But I'm also going to send out a charge to all of you to pray with me today. Pray for me as I deliver the word of God today because I am just a broken person. I am just someone who, you know, fails in life. But God has chosen me today to bring a message that I believe will speak to your heart. And I can't do that alone because it's not in my own power that I can stand up here before you. It's through the power of Jesus. So today, will you help pray for me as I begin to go through this and as we discover what it looks like to be multi-generational, how we can help each other? Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you that we can be here in your house this morning, Father. I thank you that tomorrow is a day that we can rest, Father, and enjoy our families. But Lord, I pray right now that in this moment, in the time that we have together, that we would hear so clearly from you, God. Lord, I humble myself to you. I ask you, Lord, to take less of me, Father, to take less of me and just amplify more of you, Father. Lord, I want you to move in this place. I want you to touch every heart. I want you to beckon back those who feel distant from you, Lord. And right now, as we, as we just move forward, Father, I pray that the words that we sang before remain true, that there is freedom in this place. That there is uh, bondages that are being lifted in this place, Father. I pray for generations that have felt that they have been cursed or under bondage for years, Father. Or have just decided that that's, that's something we'll just live with because my ancestors. No, Father, we break that in the name of Jesus. The same power that conquered the grave breaks that loose in your name. Lord, we ask right now for just an outpouring of your spirit, Father. The same spirit that was with Moses, the same spirit that was with Joshua that entered that promised land, Father. I pray that same spirit will lead us to the land that you are promising us. So, Father, today as we learn about you, that you would just begin to do only what you're able to do, and that's free us, Father. So, Lord, we admit our brokenness. We confess it, Father, and we ask for your grace. In your mighty and wonderful name, our church says, amen. Well, we're going to continue uh, looking at the life of Joshua, and today we're going to pull on last week's thread of how we are, um, all need 
someone a little bit more, only with a slight twist. Now, last week we had this kind of phrase that we coined that said this, I will never fully be me unless I embrace the power of we. And that's the idea of togetherness, being vulnerable in community in either a life group or with people in your life that can speak into you in different seasons and encourage you and be with you. Why? Because there's an enemy that wants to come steal, kill, and destroy. And the first thing he wants to do is get you alone. The first thing he wants to do is pull you out of community. And I believe as I was developing this message that God was speaking so clearly that the enemy wants to pull generations apart because unity within generations will cause something amazing in our city, but disunity will cause rivalry. And we don't need rivalry between our generations. I don't know about you, but for me, uh, part of my personality for some reason is I'm very, I like to think I'm very innovative and like to make things better, but it actually it kind of translates into being a critic. And in my mind, there's an inner critic criticizing me. Like right now, first service, the enemy was criticizing me the whole time. And in this service, I believe that he's just doing it again. But I rebuke it. But here's the thing. For all of us in generations, the enemy wants us to criticize one another and say, look at that generation. Look what they did. And let us circle in that spot and, and shy away from what God wants to say to us. And look at that generation. Look what I did through them. And I can do something through you too so that there would be a bridge between these generations. So today we're going to look at a story about Moses and Joshua. And in both their stories, they came to a body of water. For Moses, it was a body of water known as the Red Sea, where they weren't able to cross. But then in the story, Moses takes his staff, and the waters part, and the children of Israel were able to cross safely. And in the story of Moses, Joshua, later on, he encounters something similar where Moses is no longer there, but he encounters a body of water at the Jordan, uh, and they need to cross as well. But instead of taking a staff, God does something differently in that moment. He doesn't use one man. He uses more than one. He uses 12. He uses Joshua to lead these people through that water. So let's dig into it. Now before we do, I just have to make a quick mention because I used to be the youth pastor here, so I love it when our students go on a retreat. They're going on a retreat next week. So just be praying for them. Yeah, be praying for them that God will do something transformative in their life. So here we go. Now Moses, a little bit of backstory, was rescued as a child. He was raised in Egypt, and he runs to grow in God. So he runs away from Egypt, grows in God, and by God, he rises to become a deliverer of the children of Israel. Now, a pivotal moment in the life of Moses was when God, through Moses, led the children of Israel across the Red Sea. The first time, lifted a staff, it opened, and it was awesome. Now, God uses the life of Moses in a remarkable fashion. Under Moses, the law is given... And the children of Israel find themselves on the cusp of entering the promised land. And uh, last week we saw that. They were on the cusp of entering the promised land. They sent in the 12 spies. And Caleb and Joshua came back out with a report that we can do this. We have faith. While the 10 others said, no, it looks like what God promised us, but uh, we can't do it. We better just stay here. And, and that's where things kind of went not so great. Um, and then Moses entered a negotiation with God and said, please spare them. Uh, but we're going to wander for 40 years. I don't know about you, but I think wandering for 40 years would suck. Um, uh, and, and especially for Joshua, who knows that he's going to go into the promised land, but has to wait. So when we look at this, we see that there's a powerful thing that Moses did, despite his imperfections and failures, he raised up Joshua. 
despite all the failures and imperfections he has, he said, there needs to be someone else to take this further than I could ever take it. I need to invest. I need to pour into someone because they're going to go to the promised land. I thought I was. But because of what I went through, I'm no longer going, so I need to hand it off and someone else will take it from me. And that's Joshua. Now, don't get me wrong. Joshua had enough ammunition to blame the previous generation. But this is only a continuation of what has prevented them from entering the promised land. Joshua had a choice like we all have a choice each and every day. Do we live our lives critiquing another generation for my generation going, oh, okay, boomer, or whatever, and, or you know, the other generation, oh, those millennials or those Gen Zs, they never had it like I did. I walked 50 miles uphill both ways and snow up to my knees. And like we have... That question each day, do we live our lives critiquing the other generations? Or, imagine with me for a second, if we did this, do we use the ceiling of the previous generation to be the floor for the next generation to build upon? Do we use where we cap out for the next generation to build upon? Because here's the thing, that's translated into something so simple called legacy. And I don't know about you, but at one point in my life, I thought leaving a legacy was having power and status, that when you walk somewhere, everyone knows you. And God quickly shifted that in my life and showed me the pride that I had and broke it down and said, no, legacy is what you leave behind. Legacy is how you invest in that next generation. Legacy is how you challenge the next generation, but also how you give them wisdom, not telling them what to do, but pointing them to Jesus every single time saying, I have been here before, and God brought me through, and I know he's going to do it through you. Why? Because we all have a ceiling. And you know what else we all have? We all are going to the same, you know, our lives are all going to end one day. But here's the thing. Will you allow God to use your life as a generation that has gone before, and where your ceiling is, the next generation's foundation begins? And it increases and increases. And I can only imagine that when those bridges form across generations, how powerful the word of God will be because every generation will, see the gen- will say, the generation before me pointed me to Jesus. The generation before that pointed me to Jesus and to Jesus and to Jesus. Exodus twenty twelve says, Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land of the Lord your God is giving you. Honor is not the same as respect. Honor is a blessing that you give. Respect is a distinction that you earn. As we shared last week, faith is living. Faith isn't living in denial or delusion. It's trusting that God is greater. And there is a similar thread in honor. Honor isn't that you don't see what it isn't. It's that you also see all that it is. There are no perfect people, parents, leaders, or generations. And we see that in Joshua 1. 1 it says that after And if you have your Bibles out, circle that word after because it's so crucial to this. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant is dead. Now, circle, underline, highlight, now. Therefore arise, go over this Jordan and you and all this people into the land that I'm giving to them, to the people of 
Israel. You see, they were at a place that they heard about before. They were at the side of the Jordan where there's, the water was actually higher at this time and more rushing than normal, and they needed to cross. And they were at the same place that a generation previous to them were at. And the generation previous to them saw the miracle that God did through a staff, and I'm sure some of them were thinking, well, what's God going to do here? Someone get a stick. Let's get this going, right? But no, Joshua didn't just do what the generation before him did. He said, God. He didn't just pick up something that he knew worked before. He turned to Jesus because in his mentorship from Moses, Moses kept on pointing to God. And I believe that's so strong in our life. That it's not about telling the next generation how to do it and what to do. And in my experience, it's about saying, you know what, this happened in my life. God did this in my life. And he will do it in yours. And he will take you out of that place. You know what, you might have struggled. You're struggling with depression. Well, in my life, I did too. But God redeemed me and he will redeem you. And I'm here for you. And I love you. You were struggling with this. And God freed me from that too. And I'm here for you. You see, church, multi-generation is so important because we experience things, but it's not up to us to tell the next generation how to do it, but it's up to us to point to Jesus in all of it. You see, the promise didn't change. It was always a multi-generational promise. The obstacle didn't change. The water was still there, and every generation faces a Red Sea or a Jordan moment, but the timing is significant. We see in God, after always precedes a now moment. It was after the death of Moses that now Joshua stepped up. It was at the ceiling of Moses' life, the ending of it, that now the next generation was able to stand on a firm foundation. You see, there's significant principles in walking in honor. And every generation has five steps in significance, and none of them take it perfectly. And the first one is this, a discipline to start, the courage to stop, a person to empower, a relationship to initiate, and a risk to take. And what do I mean by this? We all need to be disciplined to start. And my challenge for all of you today is begin a discipline to start honoring every generation. Whether it's the generation that went before you or the generation that's coming after you. Number two, it's the courage to stop. Maybe God's been using your life for a certain thing that you've been holding on to and you felt God saying it's time to let go. It's time to let someone step into that place. It's time to hand it off. It's time to allow them to, to walk in all of God's fullness. And all you want to do is hold on. Why? Because maybe you're intertwined in it. Maybe your identity is attached to it. Maybe you've been doing it for 40 years and never planned to stop. But God is saying it's time to hand it off. So we need the courage to stop and say it's time. We need a person to empower. We need to be able to look at the next generation and say, I believe in you. Do you know that's the most powerful thing that you could say to another generation? That I believe in you? Why? Because the world is telling them that they don't. The world is saying that they don't believe in you. A relationship to initiate, that there's care and love and honor and a risk to take. It is always risky business when getting to know others because we don't always see the same way. You see it with maybe the relationship with your parents. You see it with the relationship with your kids. That we don't always see things the same way. So it's always risky business. But I pray that as we honor each other, that we will see God move through us in a new way. 
You know what I love so much about Life Center is they have experiences for kids and for youth and for adults happening simultaneously each week. Why? Because we believe that there's not a junior Holy Spirit or an older Holy Spirit. Like I've said so many times, we believe that the gospel is for all people from every generation. You see, you're not responsible to steward which is not in your hands, but you're responsible to steward what God places in your hands. And perhaps from some of you, God is placing in your hands right now a desire to link to the next generation. So how about as a family, at your place of work, in culture, walking in honor means I must trust God for the after and the now moments. Joshua learned Learns from Moses, as we saw a couple weeks ago, near the tent about a holy encounter with Jesus, a holy encounter with God, prayer. Joshua displays leadership now under Moses and speaks up about the promised land when others were bringing a different report. Now it's not again until after the death of Moses that Joshua receives his mandate from God. And in Joshua 1.5 it picks up and says, Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This is one of my favorite verses here. This book of law shall, now depart, shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it both day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For when you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you Go. You see, in this moment, there's a reinforcement that, yes, there was something that happened before similar to this experience crossing the Jordan. But if you're strong, if you're courageous, God will do it. And I believe that's the same for us. The, the, the amazing thing is that there's a principle and a promise here that God will be faithful across generations. But as we mentioned before, every generation faces obstacles, defining moments. Again, for Moses, it was the Red Sea, and for Joshua, it is this Jordan River. Now watch what God says to Joshua in verse 7. The Lord said to Joshua, today, I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so will I be with you. What I did before through Moses, I will do through you. And again, every generation faces defining obstacles, and every generation must allow that generation to trust God for how to overcome. And I believe we encounter some tensions, and the first tension that we might encounter is this, if we're an older generation and we've experienced things, we might naturally respond this way to a similar tension to what um, Joshua experienced, and it's this. When you come to a source of water we can't cross, this is what you do. And we say, I've been there and I know what to do in all my wisdom, so do it exactly like me. But I want to just hypothetically bring this to your attention today and say, what if we thought differently and we went with generational wisdom and said, instead and, and said this, when you come to a source of water you can't cross, God will be faithful to you as he was to us. When you encounter this situation that you think it's impossible to get through, I've been there before, God will be faithful. 
Because here's the thing, what you did in that same situation not, may not be what God wants to do in the next generation. But it's up to us as those who have gone before to point to God so the next generation know who has all the power. Because I'll tell you right now, church, we have no power. In our own flesh, and our own humanity, we have nothing. It actually says that all the power we have is by Jesus and Jesus alone. So when fingers point at us, we need to point at Jesus. Again, honoring another generation isn't doing everything that they did. And dishonor is pointing out everything they did wrong. Wisdom is learning from the past and leaning on God for the solution needed in this generation. You see this? When we speak with honor, we allow God to be the ultimate power. And like I said before, the enemy wants to come and isolate us with criticism. He wants us to criticize and to break and create divides between. But we need to honor each other and give God ultimately the power. And in the next scripture in, in Joshua 12, it says, Now therefore take 12 men from the t- tribes of Israel, from each tribe a man, and when the soles of their feet of the priests bearing the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, and the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from flowing, and the waters coming down from above shall stand in one heap. What God did alone through Moses, he does in community through Joshua. Do you see that? Same or similar situation, but God is doing something completely different. Instead of one person dividing the, uh, you, obeying God and dividing the water, you now have 12 people going in, and the water is now dividing. What God did alone through Moses, he does through community with Joshua. You see, this is a foreshadow of, of how a greater one than Joshua, Jesus, will take 12 fishermen and write a collective story of God moving in our midst through something called the church. And if you look around, we're more than 12 people today. When we guide others to community with Jesus, Jesus will guide us to community with others. You see, when we point others to Jesus, we We'll be in community with others where we can be known, where we can be open, where we can be broken and have people to support us. And church, I don't know about you, but the power of community is so strong. A little bit about me, I've actually grown up in this church. When the church first started, uh, my parents shortly after it was open began attending and they didn't even know each other. And they, they, they helped out in kids ministry and they met in kids ministry and all of a sudden they got married. And then I was born, and in this location, that was back on Woodward Avenue, but in this location, there were pews, and I used to get passed around as a kid in this, and, you know, Pastor Joyce and Pastor Barry and some other people on staff were in the hospital when I was born. Um, And it's just been such an honor to grow up here and be able to to be invested in and mentored and and just follow some amazing people. Uh, If you know any of the history, there's uh, at one point there was three generations of youth pastors on staff, and I was one of them. And I got to learn about what was gone before, and I, I got to lead a group that I once was a part of. And it was amazing to see that the general generational wisdom that was passed down, we were able to build and build and build and see God touch so many people. And I know that even today, you know, now that I've handed off to Pastor Sam, who's amazing, that he is building on what we put before, and we have a thriving youth group, and it's awesome to see, but that's what it should look like, and for me, I know growing up in this church, I met my wife here, 
and we got married, and now we're about to have our child soon, and we're so excited because that's another generation, and we're just so excited that this community will help us raise our kids. And I pray that then the community will raise their kids and that it will continue. Why? Because there's something so powerful in generational unity. So there's three questions that we need to ask ourselves each and every day, and the first one is this. What is your attitude to those in other generations? Do we speak about them with honor? Why? Because when we speak with honor, we allow God to be the ultimate power. You know, there's been seasons in my life where God's given me grander vision. And for one season in my life, I kind of walked away from it, and I went, I don't want to be in ministry. I wasn't even really in ministry, but I know at a young age, God said, you're going to do something for my kingdom. And I said, that's nice. And it was in some of the worst moments of my life where I did things that I regret, things that I know weren't great. But God brought people from other generations to remind me about Jesus and the plan and the purpose that he had for my life. And it was because of those people speaking life into me that brought me back. And I can stand here before you and say that if it wasn't because of God speaking through their situations, that I would not be here today telling you about mine. And I know that God wants to move so profoundly through Life Center and in our city, but we need generational unity. Why? Because even this morning when I barely slept last night and I've been up against so much stuff that I was so nervous that God sent people to intercept me on my way in this morning and say, I am just so excited and God's going to use you and I just love you and I care about you and I don't even know half the people that came up to me because they took a, a step of faith listening to God and that's exactly what I needed. It's exactly, so how about for you? Do you honor the next generation? Will you honor the next generation? Will you take time to see them? Will you take time to love them? Will you take time to remind them that the God that you serve that transformed your life can do the same in theirs? The second question is this. Are we asking other generations to do as we did or trust God like they can? When we guide others to community with Jesus, Jesus will guide us to community with others. You see, we need to take a risky step and reach out. So my challenge to you, church, today is this. This week, reach out to another generation. Maybe it's a generation that went before you. Go and listen to them. Understand why they are doing what they're doing and why they think, why they're thinking, why, you know, maybe they don't spend their money the way you spend your money. It's a good question. But also, on the other side, take time to get to know those in a generation that is coming up behind you. I grew so much as a youth pastor and working with kids and students because I learned about their experiences and what they're going through, and it was nothing like what I went through. So I encourage you, we have amazing environments for kids and youth that you could be a part of and each week minister, but take time to get to know them. Maybe, you know, this family day weekend, you know of some university or college students that don't have family in town and you can be that family that they don't have this week. Maybe you invite them for lunch today. Maybe you hear about their stories and you could say, Jesus has got you. And the third question we need to ask is, is there an after or now moment for which we need to seek forgiveness? Do we need to seek forgiveness today? 
for being critics against other generations? Do we need to seek forgiveness for minimizing the potential that another generation may have because we want the fame and we want the glory? I know for me, I need to seek that repentance because it's not about fame and glory. Not for us anyways, it's about making Jesus' name known. I know that my legacy needs to be that in every area of my life, it pointed back to Jesus. Never to the man that I am, but to the man Jesus is and was. The man who gave his life for us. Who went on the cross and bared our sins. But kicked darkness in his face and said, no more. I have conquered you and poured out his spirit to be with us each and every day. The greatest thing we can do is lay down our pride for the sake of another generation. You see, when we honor one another well, it will send the enemy running back to hell. I don't think you can understand that fully. When we honor each other well, it will send the enemy running. Why? Because we're unified. We're together. There's no room to say that generation can't do it. No, that generation will do it. So church, together, let's take a step and unify our generations. Yes, we have differences. Yes, I still have trouble writing checks. Yes, I don't get why cash is so convenient. But I understand that there's those differences. And I understand that I can learn a lot while I receive ownership and I give ownership. You see, we're all striving for the same goal. We all want to see this city saved. So instead of working against each other, let's work together to see a nation come to Jesus. And together, we can point each other back to him.